0: Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, All the Way to Bethel. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org or you could always send us an email at office at bccma.org And now, Here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. We're going to, uh, uh, I want to pick up, uh, I had a a, a free week in terms of preaching. What I mean is I'm not in a series. I'll be starting a new series called uh, Stretch on the book of Jonah, uh, July the 12th. And uh, July the 5th, I want to preach on, uh, next week I want to preach on, can God bless America again? And I want to talk to you about God's plan for the nations. And uh, but so today I had a free Sunday and then uh, we had that awesome word. And when that awesome last week from Pastor Tyler and uh, what a great sermon. And uh, he, he talked about Jacob uh, being called by God to go to Bethel. Uh, Jacob is running from his brother. He and his brother had conflict. He deceived his brother and took away his position in the family as the one who would inherit the family's wealth and be the spiritual leader of the family. Jacob deceived his brother uh, and, and, uh, and did that whole thing, and then he ran from his brother. His mother came to him one day, and she, she was kind of behind the whole deception of g- getting the birthright given over to Jacob and taken away from Esau. And so she says one day, I think, you, you know, you better, you better run. For, first of all, I don't want you marrying one of the girls around here anyway. So go to my brother Laban's house. And he went, went to Payden uh, uh, Aram, where his, his uncle Laban lived, her brother lived. And there he met Rachel and Leah. You know, some of you know the story. If you don't, go read it in the book of Genesis. And you'll find there's this incredible, unbelievable uh, soap opera that happens in his life and he ends up marrying both women and so but God had told him on his way to pa- pa- Aram. on his way there he stopped at a place called Bethel and the word Bethel as we'll discover in a moment means house of God he stops at Bethel and there a, a ladder comes out of heaven and he sees in this dream he has he sees this pathway to heaven and God told him I want you to I want you to come back to Bethel that was his word to him. And when he, when he finally left Paden-Aram and things finally went sour with Uncle Laban, Uncle Laban was a, a more of a deceiver than Jacob was. And when he finally left there, when he finally left there, God told him, I want you to go to Bethel. And as uh, Pastor Tyler so well said last week, he went 95% of the way. And he stopped at Shechem. He didn't quite make it all the way to Bethel. And we know that that was a tragic mistake because there at Bethel, there at Bethel, his his daughter Dinah was defiled by, by actually a man named Shechem, uh, who was the son of a man named Horam, and uh, uh, his uh, he decided uh, he asked his father go ask Jacob if I can have Dinah in marriage, and of course the brothers heard about it and all of uh, Jacob's sons heard about it and they they went ballistic. And they determined to get, to get revenge, and they did. In fact, they killed all the men in the city. They killed all the men in the city. How do you come back from that as a parent when your sons just killed all the men in the city? They killed all the men in the city, and they, t- they abducted all the wives and children. Things went really bad. And th- so that's, that's what the message was about yesterday, how that uh, we make ourselves very, very vulnerable to, to the enemy of our souls, We make our families very vulnerable to the enemies of our family when we don't go all the way with Jesus. When we don't go all the way to Bethel and we don't become sold out, completely sold out to Christ. And we don't become fully formed followers of Christ. Now, I'm not saying today that if you don't make it all the way to Bethel, you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying you're not a believer. But I'm saying that you are in a place that's very vulnerable to the attack of Satan, very vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. It's really important that we go all the way. It's really important that we become fully formed and fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ because God loves you so much. He wants that kind of relationship with you, and it's not that he's over there sending judgment. See, God didn't send any of that judgment on Jacob's family. God didn't send any of that. God didn't do any of that to them. In fact, he wanted to get them to a place where that wouldn't happen. He wanted to, he wanted to be like Noah's family where they built an ark of safety, and instead they stopped short and made themselves vulnerable. And I love the fact that last Sunday's message ended on grace. God's not mad at you if you haven't gone all the way to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. God's not angry with you, and God, instead God is unbelievably patient with you, and He's constantly reoffering you, the opportunity to to go to that place of complete surrender and complete intimacy with him. So today, I want to pick up where Tyler left off. I I joked with him and said, you you didn't do such a great job. You left us in Shechem. So I'm going to bring him home. I'm going to bring us all the way to Bethel today. And uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 35. And I want you to know, this is serious business because... This is serious business. I hope one, one of the wake-up calls we're all getting as we watch the tumult and the chaos in the world that we live in, that Satan is playing for keeps, that this is real, and Satan really has a plan for you, and he really has a plan for your family, and he has a plan for your friends, and he, 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 means, he means to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's what he means to do. And, in fact, the Bible says in a little verse I want to just throw out there today, I don't, I'm not going to go up on the screen or anything, but the, the Bible says the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And some of the philosophies that I'm hearing in in, th- in the, the world right now, some of the philosophies I'm hearing through m- m- the different forms of media is 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 are are their doctrines of demons they're very dangerous doctrines very seductive doctrines that's why you have to get your you have to get on to bethel and get fully surrendered to christ fully under the authority of christ because you need christ's authority and you need his protection over your mind and your soul and your body. You need his protection over the mind, soul, and body of your children. You need his protection over the mind, soul, and body of the people that you care about. That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. It's about getting people into that arc of safety. It's about getting in people under the authority of Christ. Because under the authority of Christ is where there's real liberty and there's real freedom. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 35 Verse 1 says, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourself and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Aren't you glad God is with you even when you're not fully in His will? He doesn't abandon you every time you get out of His perfect will. He is very loyal to you. So they, so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. When they set out, and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with them came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan, There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him. I'm going to stop there. There's a lot more interesting verses, and I hope you'll read more on your own. Now, Bethel meant hard place. That's what Bethel meant. But Jacob met God there when he was running from his brothers, so now it was a holy place. I believe uh, we can all relate. We can all relate to most of our stories are about a hard place in our life that we, we looked up to God. We cried out to God. It may have been a, a crisis of circumstances. It might have been a crisis of your emotional health or loss. Or it may have just been merely a crisis of your faith and intellect, like Josh McDowell, who wrote, written all those wonderful books called Evidence Demands a Verdict, when he went to university. He had an intellectual crisis about God, and he began to search for God. And he, he found God through the intellectual approach. Now, we learned last week the tragedy of stopping at Shechem. We also learned that God isn't angry at us. Instead, He stands ready to redeem our mistakes. That's where He is today, so I want you to know that. We discovered that God is the God of all grace. And so, because when you, when you took that step of faith, that initial step of faith to receive Christ, now Bethel's on your GPS, Bethel's on your GPS. You just need to go back. You're you're really close. You're only 20 miles away. You've gone 90% of the way. So in going all the way to Bethel, I want us to hear three things. I want us to hear this morning what God calls us to do if we're going to go all the way to Bethel, what God requires us to do if we're going to go all the way to Bethel, and what He promises to do, what God calls us to do, what he requires us to do, and what he promises to do. Going all the way to Bethel, number one, he calls us to be leaders. He calls us to be leaders. Not, some of you think leaders mean, means to be, have a position or to be the head of a company or something like that, and it certainly can be, but plenty of people have positions who aren't leaders. Plenty of people are the head of companies and churches, and they're not leaders, being a leader is more about your personal life, and it begins with something that some people uh, like to use the term self-differentiation. It's, being, it, it's discovering your true self in God. It's being willing to stand alone. Anytime God wanted to do anything in, in biblical history, anytime God wanted to do anything, he always started with a man or a woman, and he would say to that man or woman, I'm telling you what to do. He never, he never said, I want, you to, I want you to form a committee and see what everybody wants to do. He never said, I want you to bring the whole family around and see what everybody could agree with. See, see, some things we need agreement. It's fine. It's fine to have agreement about where you're going to go on vacation. It's fine to try to have agreement about whether you're going to buy a, put in an in-ground pool or a boat for leisure. It's fine to to have a family meeting about where you're all going to dinner. But when God wants to really do something in your life, God is not going to do it democratically. He's going to do it autocratically. God is going to meet with you privately, by yourself, alone, and he's going to say, here's what I want you to do. And here's what I'm telling you to do. This happened with Abram, Abraham. Abraham, leave your family, he said, when he lived in Haran. I want you to leave your family. He didn't say, go ask your dad if it's okay. He didn't say, go ask your wife if it's okay. He didn't say, go ask your brother if it's okay. God says, this is what I want you to do. It happened with Joseph when he took a stand with his brothers. God didn't say, go ask your brothers if this is okay. He said, this is what, I want, this is what I'm going to do in your life. Moses God met Moses on the backside of the desert, that that thing we call the burning bush. God met with him and said, you go deliver my people Israel. He didn't say, go and ask Pharaoh if it's okay. He didn't even say, go ask your father-in-law if it's okay. He didn't say, go ask your wife if it's okay. He is sovereign. God is sovereign. So we see this throughout history. Joshua, Caleb, Daniel, Jesus. When God wants to do something incredible, He always speaks to a person, and that person has to learn what some people call self-differentiation. Now, self-differentiation is a wonderful term, and it involves being able to possess and identify your own thoughts and feelings and distinguish those from others. It's a process of not losing connection with yourself while holding a deep connection to others. See, some of us have a difficult time holding a deep connection to ourselves and a deep connection to others, we get lost. I'm going to throw up this definition on the screen because I think this is such an important term. If, you, if God is going to take you to Bethel, you're going to have to have a meeting with God, and you're going to have to stand up to your friends, to your family, to everybody else and say, this is what I'm about to do. Amen? Differentiation of self refers to your ability to separate your own spiritual, mental, and emotional functioning from that of others. Individuals with low differentiation, those with low differentiation, excessively depend on others for approval and acceptance, as well as fear of rejection or disagreement with others. They either conform themselves to others in order to please them, or they attempt to force or persuade others to conform to their wishes. See, like I said, there are times to bring the family together and get everybody in agreement. There are other times to say, family, this is what God has said and this is what we're going to do this is what we're going to believe see my mother my mother and dad uh my mother uh, believed that and my dad believed that separately if i said to mom on a sunday morning mom i'm sick she said good we'll go to church and get you prayed for she didn't have to go ask dad she was self-differentiated when it came to god my mother was a very kind of cooperative type of woman she wasn't a woman that you would have ever saw as a leader but I'm telling you when she thought she heard from God she was fierce when she thought that God was talking to her when when she thought it's what Jesus wanted we didn't have no vote I remember one time I was had a rebellious period in my teenage years I'm in my room Come in. My mom has the Bible in her hand. She said, "I got a scripture for you, Phil." The scripture was Isaiah, I believe it's 57 or 58. It says, "Thou art rebellious, but I will heal your ways." And she walked out. And no one knew, no one knew about how to go along to get along better than Jacob. He had a strong will, mama. Who showed him how to steal the family inheritance away from his brother? She was the one who went to him and said, "Your brother's going to kill you. You better get out of town. I, wa- I don't want you married one of these girls. Uh, I want you to go find a girl in uh, the paid Aram there. I want you to where my brother lives. Go find yourself a wife." I and Isaac, you know, might have been the head of the house with with, with Rebecca. Isaac was Jacob's dad. For those of you who don't know, uh. Isaac might have been the head of the house, but Rebecca was the neck to turn the head. Some of you got that. Then he goes to Paden Aram and he meets Rachel. He worked seven years for Rachel only to get Leah, his, her older sister. And then he worked another seven years for Rachel and he put up with constant manipulation from Uncle Laban, who kept changing his wages, changing his salary. He let Rachel, his first love, bring her family idols. When she, when she left, uh, you can read the story for yourself. When she left her family, he let her hide the family idols, even though he knew he was called to serve the one true God, and he knew he, he wasn't supposed to bring those idols along with him. And does anyone think staying in Shechem was really his idea? No, no. The, the, the kids all said, this is where we want to live, Dad. It's cool here. People are cool here. It's, it's, it, this is awesome. The man had been a victim of groupthink his entire life. He had never thought for himself. He had never self-differentiated. But if you're going to do, if you're going to get to Bethel, you, you can't take a vote. You've just got to say, I'm, 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 this is what God has told me to do. I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to, when you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, nobody can get in between you and Jesus. I said, when you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, no one one gets in between you and Jesus. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when speaking of the lack of freedom of speech and the compelled speech in the Soviet Union under Stalin, said this. The required recitations are stuffed with lies and it is necessary to make a choice, either truth or falsehood, towards spiritual independence or towards spiritual servitude. What am I, why did I quote that to you? Because I want you to know freedom of speech, it has to begin in your own house. You've got to be able to, in your own house, say, thus saith the Lord. Amen? Listen. The prevailing philosophies of the day, by the way, will be mocked 20 years from now. I said the prevailing philosophies of the day, what's happening in the streets today, will be critiqued and mocked 20 years from now. So why go along with something that's not going to work and not going to last God says, I have an eternal word from you that twenty years from now people will be saying that's what we should have done. I said God has a word for you today of obedience that will cause you to look foolish with the world around you, but 20 years from now it will be what everybody will say we all should have done. You can do it now. Sorry, my losing my voice today. I've been yelling at Sherry too much. Not really. You know that wouldn't work out, don't you? (laughs) Everybody knows that. I love the book of Joshua, and I don't have time to tell you the story. I hope you'll read it for yourself, Joshua 24. Joshua's standing before all the people of Israel, and he said, If you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of our ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? So you understand this. There's always alternative gods for you and your family to serve in the communities that you live in. But here's what he said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. How many of you here today made that decision? I mean, don't be, don't be like the guy The you heard about the hen-pecked guy. Who got to heaven? Y'all heard that old joke? And, he, and there's two lines in heaven one for henpecked men and one for men who are the head of their household. And the henpecked guy gets in the line of the men who are heads of their household. And somebody said, You have no business in this line. What are you doing here? Said, he said, My wife told me to stand in this line. <laughs> you see, I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit, when you submit to the Holy Spirit, and you become a fully formed follower of Christ, everybody gets empowered. I mean, little kids get empowered to speak the word of God and to obey it. So God, God calls you to self-differentiation. He calls you to become a leader instead of a follower, every one of you. God requires you to put away your idols. Now let me read, I'm not going to give you one definition of an idol, I'm going to give you a bunch, and I believe this is all in your notes, if you, because I think I want you to go back and revisit these definitions of an idol. An idol is anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your imagination more than God. An idol is anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll fill my life has meaning. And then I'll know I have value, and then I'll feel significant and secure. An idol is anything that, we, that, we, that, that, that when God asks for it, you tend to grip it tighter. An idol is something we cannot live without. We must have it, therefore it drives us to break rules. We once honored to harm others, even ourselves, in order to get it. Idols give us a sense of being in control. And we can locate them by looking at our nightmares. What do we fear the most? What if we lost it? Would, it, would our life be worth living? Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. The only way to free ourselves from the destructive influence of counterfeit gods is to turn back to the true, the one, the living God. He's the only one, if you find him, who can truly fulfill you, and if you fail him, can truly forgive you. Let me say that again. God is the only one who can fulfill you, and who, if you fail him, can truly forgive you. We all have idols, by the way, all of us. And we have, there are two categories of idols. And it's, this is very important to understand. There are surface idols and there are source idols. Surface idols. Surface idols can be your career. It can be, your mo- it can be money. It can be sensual pleasure. Surface idols can be a lot of different things. But source idols, people who are smarter than me who've studied this, give us a list of four basic source idols. And I think this is important for you to listen to. Power, a longing for influence and recognition. Control, a longing to have everything go according to my plan. Comfort, a longing for pleasure. Approval, a longing to be accepted or desired. You see, you may have a you may have a surface idol of money, but your source idol might be power, because you like the power that money gives you. Your source idol, your 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 surface idol could be could be money, but your but but your uh, but I mean surface, but your source idol could be pleasure, because money provides you the pleasure that you want in life, and uh, and I think in life we tend to sort of. People who have a power idol usually have a control idol. Those go together, and comfort and approval go together. And, 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 and we tend to get together with people who have opposite idols from us for some reason. For some reason, we tend, together, we tend, to, we tend to team up with people who have opposite People who are control people, empower people, tend to team up with people who need comfort. Maybe maybe that's because the power person tends to promise to the comfort person, I will keep you, I will make you comfortable. I'll take care of everything. You're not going to have to think. And that seems to be very attractive some people. But these, these idols cripple us and keep us from going forward with God because when we come to Jesus, we, we make Him the ultimate. Jesus becomes the ultimate. See, an idol is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. By the way, we all want and desire those four things we all want power control comfort and approval they're not evil power is not evil control is not evil you ever been in a situation where nobody has control it's not very much fun is it you don't like a situation where no one's in control so power control pleasure is not evil uh uh comfort is not evil an idol is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. And God says, if you are going to have fulfillment with me and intimacy with me, I must become the ultimate thing in your life. You know, I've been, we had a wonderful conversation with a group of guys of the other day at breakfast, and we got to talking about how that all the turmoil in the world, coronavirus, lockdown, riots, all the things that are going on in our world, crazy world today, we all begin to say the same thing, that we've all discovered greater joy in Jesus. And we were all surprised. We were all surprised that, we're, that, our, that our spiritual life has gotten better, and, and there's a reason for that. By the way, Tim Keller, who's a lot of, those were a lot of his quotes. Tim Keller's done such a marvelous research on, uh, uh, on idolatry. Tim Keller has been diagnosed with, with uh, pancreatic cancer. And uh, he said this, though, and he's, he's just so eloquent. He's even eloquent when he talks about his cancer. And he said, God is teaching, God is weaning, let me say it correctly, God is weaning Kathy and I, his wife, God is weaning Kathy and I off of the joys of this life. That's God's plan. That's God's plan that you would find real life in him. Because at best, this world, if, if this world goes perfect, I mean, what if everything just cleared up? What if you, you turned on the, you looked on your Twitter feed, your Facebook today, and you found out the world was perfect while you were in church? While you were in church, everything got fixed. Nobody's protesting anymore. The, 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 the coronavirus has completely disappeared. There's not one single new case. All the stores are open, everything, while you were in church. That'd be good, wouldn't it? I'd like that. But you wouldn't get to have any more of this world. This world's still dying. You, you still are going to face a, an eternal forever. So you still need God. God. You still need the eternal, and that's what you're being invited to today. That's what it means to go all the way to Bethel is you're putting your hope in things eternal. You're putting your hand in, you're putting your life in God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. So going all the way to Bethel calls us to become leaders instead of followers, requires us to put away our idols. And going all the way to Bethel promises to give us the fullness of God. Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 7 says, There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, Bethel meaning house of God. Now, El was a, an abbreviation for God. The Hebrews would not say the name of God because they felt that was blasphemous. So they, the, sometimes they would use El, short for Elohim, they would just say, "L." Oh. so what's God saying here? What's God saying to Jacob? What is happening to Jacob? Perhaps I should say it that way. What is happening to Jacob? He's been to Bethel before. It was a hard place first because he was running from his brother and things were really bad. And then it became a holy place, kind of like. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe this sanctuary is a holy place for you. I hope it is. It is for me. And I, I know it's just a building in some ways, and it's just carpet and sheetrock and, and decor. I know that. But it's a holy place for me. And the days we live in, I find it more so. I look forward more than ever coming here on Sunday and being with you. And if we just sat here and looked at each other, it would be okay now because it just, it just feels so wonderful to be with you. So maybe this sanctuary is a holy place. And throughout our lives, we discover holy places, hard places that become holy places. But today, God's adding a new dimension. Instead of just being Bethel, now it's El Bethel. El means God. So he had gone to the house of God before. He had met the house of God. He had experienced the house of God. But today, something different is happening. He's not only experiencing the house of God. He's experiencing the God of the house. He's meeting God. He's meeting God at Bethel. Not just the house of God at Bethel, but God at Bethel. And that's the promise of God. The promise of God is if you will leave your idols... The things that you put before God, the things that have become your little gods, the things you've allowed to satisfy you instead of God, if you will leave them behind, God says what I will reward you with is the fullness of myself. I will reward you with the fullness of myself. I'll reward reward you with more of Jesus than you could have ever imagined. I will reward you with eternal joy that you never could have imagined. I will reward you with the fullness of, 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 of the infinite, eternal, all knowing, all loving, all powerful God who will live within you and reside within you, and have intimacy with you at a level that will satisfy you in a way that none of those, none of all that stuff that you care about will ever satisfy satisfy you that's the promise of God <laughs> will a surrender to God to Christ I mean cause you to have more money? Well perhaps it could if if your poverty has spiritual causes and some people's does will a surrender to Christ cause you to find an amazing spouse and find a happy marriage perhaps if that's his will and and you're out of His will because you're a Shechem, and you've never gone all the way. You just go to church. You, you, you go to the house of God, but you never go to the God of the house. Will, will a full surrender to Christ cause you to have perfect physical health and, and get rid of all sickness? Well, it, 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 if the underlying cause of your sickness is mental distress or a lifestyle or a lack of faith, yes, it could even help your physical health. Will a surrender to Christ make you, bring you more more loyal friends? It could. It does for a lot of people. They come to this place and they fully surrender to God. See, some people come in and out of this church and other, and other churches. And because they never fully surrender to Christ, they never fully connect with the body of Christ. They're like visitors. They're not only visitors to the church, they're visitors to Christ. And so people who are fully committed to Christ, you're gonna have, have, have a hard time hanging with us if you wanna do other things besides be like Jesus. And if you wanna be like Jesus, you're going to find out there's a bunch of people that will be a part of your life, not because, not because they're unfriendly to people who don't do that. That's not, my, that's not my point at all. But it's just because the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So you get an agreement with a bunch of people, and yeah, it could bring you more loyal friends. Yeah, that, it could happen. But you know what? Some, some people, though, lose, all, lose their money because they follow Christ. <laughs> some people lose friends because they follow Christ. What I can guarantee you, if you will fully surrender to Christ and go all the way to Bethel, what I can guarantee you is more of God. That's what I can guarantee you. And that's what's going to happen when we have the revival that I see coming. What's going to happen is we're going to have more of God. And we're just going to want to stay here for hours sometimes because we want to be with God. We want to be with Jesus We want to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's so beautiful and wonderful. He makes the things of this world seem cheap and and, 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 uh, irrelevant, right? So it's never too late to get your wake-up call, to leave Shechem and go to Bethel. It's never too late to repent, by the way. Isn't that beautiful? It's never too late. I know some of you felt like, well, Pastor, I know... I know I'm suffering some of the consequences of not being totally sold out in some areas. We've all done that, by the way. Listen, I, I, love, I love something about story. I love the story. I love the way God did not lecture Jacob. God did not slap his wrist and chide him and call him a loser. Well, you could have avoided all this if you'd have just done what I told you to do, you know, Jacob, you're, you're such a loser. You know, now you want to go to Bethel. Of course you want to go to Bethel after, after your, your, your daughter's been defiled and your sons have murdered a whole town. Yeah, of course you want to go. To, no, 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 no. I, come on, is anybody getting this besides me? Because I'm just feeling this right now. I'm just feeling this right now. God God didn't even bring it up. He said, come on, let's go. Let's go to Bethel. Somehow, Somehow, he didn't say all this, but I'm hearing it. Somehow I'm going to fix Jacob all the mess. I'm going to fix it all. You just come on to Bethel. It's never too late. It's never too late. I believe, I'm going to invite Christy to come and close us right now, but I believe somebody needs to obey the Lord this morning and come on to Bethel. And you know what that means for you. You know exactly what that means for you, so let me encourage you to do it.